Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word. Join me this morning in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10 and going through verse 20. I want you to know that over the next seven weeks together, we are going to do a deep dive on the armor of God. Now, typically, as we gather together on a weekly basis, we're working through books of the Bible verse by verse, and then there's moments where we will pause and we will dive really, really, really deep on a small section of Scripture. We did that last year as we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and this year, I want us to do a deep dive as we consider what it means for us as followers of Jesus to be in a spiritual battle every single day of our lives, and how do we prepare ourselves to wage war in that battle? And so over the next number of weeks together, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 will be our text, and I would simply encourage you. As you spend time together with the Lord week in and week out over the next number of weeks, that you would make this small passage of Scripture a part of your routine in God's Word, that you would read through it, that you would ask the Lord to speak and apply His Word to your heart. And as we gather together each week, I want us to read through the text together and walk through it very, very slowly and deliberately and intentionally as we consider Paul's words to the believers that are in Ephesus, Paul's words to us today as well. Have you ever been in a situation where you had to prepare yourself mentally for what you were about to endure? You ever had to get your mind ready? Your in-laws are coming to town. You have to gear up for that, or it's time to make the trip to Walmart. You think, I've got to prepare myself for this. Maybe for us in this state, at least, it's hurricane season approaching, and we have to mentally prepare ourselves for what actually may transpire. You know, I remember for me, there was one moment in my life where I needed to prepare myself mentally for what I was about to endure, but I had absolutely no idea that I needed to do that. When I was about 12 or 13, my parents were able to get tickets to the Georgia-Florida game, and so we went to the Georgia-Florida game. I'm decked out in UGA gear. We're walking up to the stadium, and I didn't know what Florida fans were like growing up in Georgia. Had no idea. We're walking up to the stadium, and this vehicle comes by us, and there are Florida fans inside, and they have bags of milk bone dog treats, and they are pelting Georgia fans out the window (laughs) as they drove along. Church, I didn't know that was what I needed to prepare for. So when the call came to come to Florida, I said, those people need Jesus, right? (laughs) There is ministry to be done in that state. (laughs) Having to prepare ourselves mentally for what we are going to endure. That's going to be the focus this morning of our message, cultivating a wartime 
mindset. I want to read the text for us, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, going through verse 20, and then this morning we'll focus our time together on verses 10 through verse 13. This is God's word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to do that. You can write down this main idea that will frame our time together as we look at verses 10 through 13 this morning, as we begin this journey through this passage of Scripture. It's this truth. Every second of every day, a spiritual battle rages around us. So we must cultivate a wartime mindset. Every single day, there is a spiritual battle taking place around us. And as followers of Jesus, we must be diligent to cultivate a wartime mindset. I read history books a pretty good bit. I was a history major in college and One of the things that's absolutely fascinating, and there are some of you sitting here that lived through some of those days, when a nation goes to war, there's a mentality shift that takes place among the people within that nation. Everybody has to prepare. Everybody has to make sacrifices. Everybody has to gear up mentally for what it's going to take to engage in that war, to engage in that battle. And I just want to say to us today, the same thing is true in our lives as followers of Jesus. 
that we are engaged in a spiritual battle every single day, and we must cultivate a wartime mindset if we hope to persevere in the battle in which we are engaged. I want you to look as we begin in verse 10. Paul starts this section with the word finally, which if you look at that, you have to ask the question, well, what happened prior to this within this letter that he's writing to this group of believers in Ephesus? Well, if you will give me just a few moments, I want us to be reminded of what Paul has said leading up to this point. In fact, if you want to break the book of Ephesians down, this may be helpful for you as you think through this. The first three chapters in the book of Ephesians really highlights our identity in Christ and what Christ has done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. So chapters one through three are really about identity. If you're a follower of Jesus, here is who you are. And then the remaining chapters, four through six, in light of who you are, here's how you are to live. You see, you can't get those reversed. You can't say, here's how you are to live if you don't understand who you are. And Paul says, Here's who you are in chapters 1 through 3, and in light of that, here's how you are to live in chapters 4 through 6, and these verses come at the very end of that. So I want you to notice, and you don't have to write this down, but just flip back to chapter 1 in the book of Ephesians and just look at the headings as you walk through the book. In fact, Paul reminds believers in verses 1 through 14 of the spiritual blessings that are theirs as a result of what Christ has done on their behalf, which if you're a follower of Jesus, that is exactly what you need to grasp, the spiritual blessings available to you because of what Christ has done for you. And then in verses 15 through verse 23, Paul utters a prayer on behalf of these believers and wants them to understand the great privilege that it is to know God, to live in a personal relationship with him. And then in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, he reminds believers that they have been made alive in Christ by the lavish grace of God extended to them. And that's true today for you if you're a follower of Jesus as well. And then in verse 11 through verse 22 of chapter 2, that believers are the dwelling place of God, that the Holy Spirit of God indwells every single believer, and we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And then in chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, that believers are reminded of the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation that they have as a result of what Jesus Christ has done. And then in verses 14 through 20 of chapter 3, he reminds believers of the great love of Christ and the power of Christ that is at work within every single believer. That is who you are in Christ, Paul says. 
But you may have come in today, and for you, you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I would just simply say to you that chapters 1 through 3 at this moment do not describe you, but they can if you will take that step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But Paul doesn't just simply stop at chapters 1 through 3 and say, this is who you are in Christ. In chapters 4 through 6, he says, in light of that, here is how now you should live. If you understand who you are, it affects the way in which you live. As a teenager, when I would leave home, one of the things that my parents would always say to me as I walked out the door is, Remember who you are, which meant do not be an idiot when you leave this house. (laughs) Remember who you are because who you are impacts the way in which you live. And for Paul, that holds true. In the book of Ephesians, beginning in chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, he says, walk in a manner worthy of of your calling in Christ, that your life should look like Jesus Christ has saved you. Not only that, he continues on in verses 17 through verse 32. He says that we should be growing in Christ's likeness as believers and that we should be distinct from the world that is around us that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And then in verses 1 through 21 of chapter 5, He says that we are to walk in the love and the righteousness of God. And then he continues in verses 22 through verse 33, speaking to husbands and wives and the marital relationship, that it should be a walking billboard of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. And then in the first nine verses of chapter 6, he speaks to children, to parents, to workers, to masters, and he reminds them that we are to honor those who are in authority over us. And if we have authority, we are to wield that authority as unto the Lord. And then he says, finally. So with all of that as the backdrop, Then Paul dives into this conversation about the whole armor of God. Let's look at verse 10, and as you prepare to walk through it with me, you can write down this first truth that we see here in verse 10. Cultivating a wartime mindset requires us to be totally dependent on the Lord's strength and power. Totally dependent on on the Lord's strength and power. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I want you to know that as we begin to walk through over the next number of weeks, this conversation about spiritual warfare and how we prepare our minds and our hearts as we engage in this daily battle as believers, I want you to know that Paul is very clear here that for you and for me as a follower of Jesus, we do not have the strength in and of ourselves to engage within this battle. 
you are ill-sufficient in your own power and in your own strength to engage in the spiritual battle that you step foot in every single day of your lives as a follower of Jesus. Now, you look at that and you say, well, pastor, that's not super encouraging, that I don't have the strength and I don't have the power. No, I want you to know it is super freeing this morning for all of us to come to that recognition and that understanding. That we cannot in our own strength and in our own power engage in this spiritual battle. We must be totally dependent on the Lord's strength and his power at work within us. In fact, as you look at what Paul says here, he says, be strong. Notice the phrase that follows, in the Lord. Find your strength, not in yourself, which is contrary to what the world would say to us, right? You have everything that you need within, just follow your heart. That's the dumbest thing that you could ever say to anybody. Because the scripture's clear, your heart's deceptively wicked. Why would you want to follow that? But Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Find your source of strength, not in yourself, but in the Lord. Which Paul is highlighting here, this reality that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you are in Christ and Christ is in you and your strength to engage in this battle is not what you can simply muster up by yourself. It is the strength of the Lord that is within you. And he says, in light of that, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. When you look at that, you can't help on the Sunday following Easter Sunday to be reminded of the strength and the power of God. It was the power of God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So the power that he's talking about us as followers of Jesus tapping into is resurrection power that we experience because we have been made alive in Christ. This is not us and our own strength. This is us being strong, he says, in the Lord and in the strength of his mind. I don't know if you remember as a kid, I don't even know if they let them play tug of war anymore. I mean, I remember rope burn on my hands as a kid growing up. I remember, the, but you know, when you went to play tug of war, there were certain people you wanted on your side of the rope, weren't there? You wanted the strongest, you wanted the biggest, you wanted those on your side that without fail, you knew it didn't matter what they did on the other side, you were set because of who was on your team. Believer, hear me this morning. 
we can engage in this spiritual battle that we find ourselves in day in and day out and persevere and experience victory, not because of our own strength and power, but because of who is on our side of the rope. The Lord himself, as we seek strength and power from him and him alone. So let me ask you that question as you wake up each morning, as you head into your workplace or into your school or into your neighborhood or you engage with people that you encounter day in and day out, where is your strength coming from? As you engage in the spiritual battles around you, where do you depend for your strength and your power? Paul would say here in these verses, any other place, any other person besides the Lord alone will not yield the strength and power that we desperately need as we engage in this battle. I want you to notice that Paul doesn't stop there. He continues and says in verse 11, in light of that, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I want you to notice the second truth in verse 11, and it will be repeated again in verse 13, this idea of taking up the whole armor of God, but it's this truth, cultivating a wartime mindset requires us to be totally devoted to the Lord's appointed means of protection and deliverance. What will offer us protection and what will offer us deliverance as we engage in the spiritual battle we find ourselves in? I want you to notice that he gives it to us here, the whole armor of God. Now, we're going to spend the next six weeks following this, unpacking each piece of armor as we walk through it so that you'll understand and begin to grasp and realize what he's talking about when he highlights these items of armor that we are to put on as followers of Jesus. But remember this, that armor is no good if it's sitting in the closet. Armor is only good if you actually put it on. And that's what he reminds us of here. We have to adopt the mindset, the mentality that if we are walking into battle every single day, we cannot walk into this battle without the armor of God covering us. And so he says, as a reminder, put on the whole armor of God. Why? that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, do not lose sight of the reality that you have an enemy that is after you and I every single day of every single moment. Don't lose sight of the reality that we have an enemy who is scheming and doing everything possible to thwart us from being the person that God has called us to be. 
from living out the life that he's called us to live out in light of our identity in Christ. That as a follower of Jesus, you have an enemy that is seeking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In fact, he's described Satan is the devil here as a roaring lion seeking to devour. I was running one day in the trails in our neighborhood. Closest thing that I've ever come to being close to a lion was a bobcat that came out on the trail as I was running. I don't know about you, but he was stalking me, I'm pretty confident. I mean, he just came out on the trail and just looked like, what you going to do now? And I thought, I'm going the other way. That's what I'm doing now. But I want you to notice that Satan is described as one who is seeking to devour you and I, seeking to thwart us living the life that God has called us to live out. And the only hope that we have is the strength of God and the armor of God, Paul says here. I want you to notice, verse 12 He's going to unpack this idea of the schemes of the devil. I want you to grasp this. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I don't know if you grab that or not, mentally in your mind, but for us as followers of Jesus, our battle on this earth as we wait for heaven is not a physical battle with flesh and blood, Paul says, which is vitally important for us to grasp and to understand because, hear me this morning, if you think your battle is with flesh and blood, you will fight the battle simply against flesh and blood, against other people. But notice that Paul says that's not where the battle truly lies. The battle truly lies in the spiritual realm. He describes it in this way, against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, The spiritual forces of evil, he says, in the heavenly places. Our battle is a spiritual battle. In fact, John MacArthur said it this way, Our greatest enemy is not the world we see, but the world we cannot see. Our greatest battle is not against the world we can see, but against the world that we cannot see. I want you to hear me this morning because too often the pendulum will swing one way or the other. You've got one side that really doesn't think a whole lot at all about the fact that there is a spiritual battle going on. You could describe that person spiritually as they have their head in the sand. I have no idea that there is a spiritual battle going on. You may have come in today, you go, Pastor, this is the first time I've heard this. Or I've heard this before, but I haven't really given much thought to it. And you may find yourself in that category. Then you have the whole other side 
who just has this fascination and preoccupation with the battle going on spiritually. That if they have a flat tire, they're like, there's a demon in my tire. You're, some of y'all are laughing because you've heard that before. Some of you may have said that before. And you look and you say, no, that's called a nail in your tire. That's why you had a flat tire. So we have to figure out how to keep the pendulum in the middle where we don't have this fascination and preoccupation with the spiritual battle that's going on in in an unhealthy way, but also that we don't have our head in the sand, that we have a clear-headed picture that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And Paul says here in verse 13, if we understand this, if we grasp the reality of this, he says, therefore, in light of that reality, take up, once again, the whole armor of God. In fact, that word take up means more than just pick it up. It means to pick it up and actually put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. As a follower of Jesus, You and I, every single day, are engaged in a spiritual battle. The war is waged all around us. And whether we want to be engaged in it or not, we are soldiers in the battle. Which means we must have a wartime mindset as we wake up every single day to engage in this spiritual battle. Paul has laid out for us why it is essential for us to take up the whole armor of God. I want to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads with me this morning. Over the next number of weeks, we'll continue to walk through and unpack each of these pieces of the armor that are listed here. But this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today, and as I mentioned before, as we looked at Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, the identity of the follower of Jesus, the believer in Jesus Christ, sitting here this morning, that does not yet describe you. I want you to know that there is hope for you this morning in a relationship with Jesus Christ. For you have the opportunity to trust in Him alone for salvation. His life, His death, His resurrection makes it possible for your sins to be forgiven and for you to be brought into the family of God. Would you take that step today? If you are a follower of Jesus here already this morning, where are you finding your source of strength as you engage in this spiritual battle? Have you adopted that wartime mentality that we've talked about? And if not, this is a key moment for you and your walk with the Lord Jesus to recognize 
that there is a battle waging around you and you must cultivate a wartime mindset to depend solely on the strength of God at work within you and to put on the armor of God so that you would be able to withstand the schemes of Satan. And this moment for you is an opportunity to do just that. Father, we thank you for your word where it speaks to each one of us, regardless of those who are here that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ or those who have a relationship with Jesus and yet need to be reminded that there is a battle raging around them, one that they are engaged in, whether they want to admit it or not. God, would you help us as followers of Jesus to gear our minds in such a way that we are ready for the battle. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand? As we sing, our altar is open. Our pastors are down front. You respond as the Lord leads.